Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. So if you have your Bibles or if you have a device uh, with the Bible on it, we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 18. We're going to resume our series in this very important Old Testament book. And uh, for context, let me remind you this morning that in chapter 17, Exodus chapter 17, the people of Israel have arrived at Mount Horeb. And um, that's where God miraculously, you remember in chapter 17, God miraculously provided a source of water for them after they had traveled through uh, the wilderness or a desert area. And then remember after that, they were attacked by the Amalekites and they were only able to defeat the Amalekites with the help of God. And so all of that took place in chapter 17. And that brings us to Exodus chapter 18. Let's begin reading in verse number one. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Verse 5, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent, and when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and they went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced. For all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Verse number 10, and Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 11, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they, this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, verse 12, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all of the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, we pray that you'd give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us this morning. Your word is quick and powerful, Lord. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide our thoughts and our motivations, God. Reveal our heart to us. We pray that, Lord, it would have its way here this morning. Most of all, God, we pray for the encouragement that comes from the spirit of prophecy. So I ask, oh God, that you would anoint me to preach, Lord, in that spirit with that kind of anointing this morning. That, God, I would speak clearly. And that, God, I would speak with um, passion and conviction this morning. Accomplish all that you desire to do, Lord, in our lives and in our church. 
and God will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, by the time that Moses had reached Mount Horeb, news had reached his father-in-law that the people of Israel had been delivered out of Egypt, that they had come out of Egypt, and that they were on their way uh, to Canaan. Therefore, Jethro, who is Moses' father-in-law, sets out to meet Moses, and with him he takes Moses' wife, his daughter, Zipporah, and, and their two sons in order, to, in order to reunite Moses with his family. Now, you might remember when, we were, uh, when Moses was on his way to Egypt at a certain place, he uh, bade goodbye to his family, and they went back with um, Zipporah with her father, and she took the two sons and went back to Midian with Jethro while Moses uh, proceeded on to Egypt. So now they're on their way back, and Jethro comes back out to meet them so that Moses can be reunited with his family. Now, this is a, it's an interesting part of the book of Exodus, and it's a brief narrative interlude kind of in the story that uh, some have suggested that it doesn't quite, it doesn't seem to fit uh, with the story of Exodus. It doesn't, doesn't fit with the flow of the story in the book of Exodus. However, uh, I believe what we'll see this morning is that it does provide some important information. And as I hope that we'll see, it gives us an illustration of what, of what God intended to accomplish, which would begin with the giving of the law, which would follow uh, this episode. So to appreciate the significance of, of what's happening in this passage, uh, you have to understand that, uh, that what's going on here is more than just the happy reunion of Moses and his wife and, and their sons. Um, it is that, of course, um, but on a, there is a deeper, more profound reunification that is taking place in this passage. It takes place actually in verse number 12, or at least we see it culminate, if you will, in verse number 12, where Aaron, who you know is Moses' brother, where Aaron, it says, comes with the elders of Israel, and he eats bread. They eat bread with Jethro, who is Moses' father-in-law. Here's the thing. Aaron represents the people of Israel who had descended from Abraham through Isaac who was the son, if you remember, of Abraham's wife, Sarah. So Abraham married Sarah. They had a child, Isaac. Aaron represents those descendants from Abraham through Sarah, through, uh, through Isaac. Jethro, as the text reminds us, represents the people of Midian. And the people of Midian were also descendants of Abraham. In fact, Genesis chapter 25, verse number 12 records that after Sarah, uh, after Sarah died, Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah, and she bore him Zimram, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shuah. So the Midianites had also descended from Abraham. However, 
The Bible tells us they did, they did not receive an inheritance from Abraham. In fact, the Bible says that Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, but then that he gave gifts to his other sons, which would have included Midian. He gave gifts to his other sons, and he sent them away from Isaac. He sent them away from where Isaac would settle. So this, so this is very important. Aaron represents the children that had received the promise that God had made to Abraham, whereas Jethro represents the children that had been separated from Abraham and therefore alienated from the promise that God had made to him. And so in this passage, what happens? They are actually brought together again. By whom? By Moses. So these two uh, lines of descent from Abraham are brought back together through Moses and they are reconciled to an extent reconciled by Moses's marriage to Zipporah. So Moses is the brother of Aaron. He's descended from Isaac, right? He marries Zipporah, who is the daughter of uh, Jethro, who is descended from Midian. And so their marriage actually does what? It kind of reconciles these two divergent lines of, of Abraham. And so in this, we once again see Moses functioning as a type of Jesus Christ. Remember, God had previously told Moses that he would be like God to Pharaoh. So in other words, he was kind of a type of, we talked about that when he was in Egypt, that he became kind of a type of Christ before uh, Pharaoh. Well, now, once again, he is like Jesus Christ. Moses is like Jesus Christ in the sense that he is seen as the savior of God's people and now he is the means by which God reconciles a people who had previously been cut off from his promise and from his presence. And so when you, when you understand that little interpretive key um, in, in Exodus chapter 18, the meeting between Moses and Jethro takes on a lot of meaning, a lot more uh, meaning. For instance, the Bible says that Jethro has come out to meet Moses, but actually it's who? Moses is the one who comes out to meet Jethro. Jethro sends word to Moses, and so Moses comes out just, just as Jesus. We could not reach Jesus. How, aren't you glad that Jesus came to us? Amen. So um, also... Most translations indicate that when they met, Moses bowed to Jethro and he kissed him. However, in the original, uh, in the original language, the pronouns, pronouns and antecedents are always tough when you're translating Hebrew or, um, or Greek. Um, so they're not always that clear. It may have been uh, that it was Jethro who bowed down to Moses. And in fact, the NASB kind of preserves that ambiguity a little bit because it translates that verse this way. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and he bowed down and kissed him. Who bowed down 
to whom? Well, most translators have taken it to mean that Moses bowed down as respect to his father-in-law. But it could be that uh, Jethro, recognizing that God's hand was on Moses and that he uh, stood in that position as a savior of his people, that Jethro bowed down to Moses and kissed him. Uh, or third, another, uh, another thing that we see when we use that interpretive key is then based on the, it's based on the testimony of Moses and the fact that God had delivered him from Egypt, which is in the New Testament is analogous to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's then that Jeth after after Moses tells him, gives his testimony, and it's then that Jethro confesses, now I know that the Lord, and that is Yahweh, now I know that Yahweh is greater than all other gods. And so arguably it's at that point on the testimony of Moses and his deliverance from Egypt that Jethro places his complete faith in Yahweh. And then finally in verse number 12, Jethro offers burnt offerings and sacrifices to God and he joins Aaron and the elders of Israel and they do what? They eat bread together in the presence of God which could be seen as a type of communion. So here's the thing, the symbolism and the significance of this family reunion illustrates for us the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us through his death and through his resurrection. So there are many references to that in the, in the New Testament. Um, however, Ephesians chapter 2 provides us with the best explanation of this ministry of reconciliation that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. That ministry that Moses kind of illustrates here as he reconciles those two lines of Abraham's descent. There in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says that we were dead in our sins, that we were separated from the promises and from the presence of God because of our own disobedience. But, Paul says, God who is rich in mercy made a way for us through Jesus Christ to be brought back into a relationship with God. In fact, listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 16. He says, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made, both, made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances 
that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. Can you say amen? We were, we were separated from God by our sin. We were sent away from his presence because of our own disobedience. And we had, we had no promise of God's blessing in, in this world. There was nothing that we could do for ourselves. Moreover, we had no hope of saving ourselves. We, we could not come to him if he had not come to us. Aren't you glad that he came to us? <laughs> uh, but thankfully, God sent a Savior, not Moses. Moses is just a type uh, of Jesus Christ. But God sent forth his own son, Jesus Christ, in order to do what? In order to reconcile us back to God. To make a way for us to have relationship once again with God the Father. And now, uh, in Christ Jesus, this is what Paul says, and now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, how did, how did Jethro um, respond to this reunion with Moses? The Bible says Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. This morning, aren't you glad for all that God has done for you? Aren't you glad that he has delivered you out of the hands of the enemy? That he has adopted you into his own family? No longer are you a slave to sin, but you are a son. You are a daughter of God. I believe we should praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. In fact, listen to what Paul says. Again, Romans. this is in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Church, rejoice because you have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, his son. Amen? Amen. Brought back into a right relationship with him. God loved you so much that while you were still a sinner, that while you were still afar off from God, separated from him, unable to do anything on your own to save yourself, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to bring you back into relationship with him. Hallelujah. Thank God. Now, before I, uh, before I wrap this up, I, I do want to point out a couple 
uh, more things, a couple important things, in fact, about this ministry of reconciliation that is pictured here in this um, Exodus chapter 18, this reunion that Moses has with his family. First of all, I want you to notice how it relates, how this ministry of reconciliation, how it relates to the wrath of God. At one time, the Bible says we were sinners, which means that at that time, we deserved God's wrath. We had, we had earned God's wrath through our sin and through our disobedience. In Romans, Paul puts it bluntly. We just read it a second ago. We were God's enemies. God's enemies. However, Philippians explains that hostility. <laughs> Listen, that hostility was killed when Jesus died on the cross. That hostility that was between us and God was put to death. It was killed when Jesus Christ died on the cross. Therefore, whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ is no longer an object of God's wrath, but instead is an object of God's mercy and God's grace. That's good news, folks. Amen. <laughs> no longer enemies. We are now friends of God. In fact, more than friends. We are, we are family because we have been adopted by God as sons and daughters. We have been made brothers and sisters. The Bible says joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Here's the point. God, God retains no hostility toward those whose faith is in Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you say praise the Lord? There's no condemnation because that hostility has been put to death when Jesus Christ died on the cross. We have been reconciled to God and adopted as sons and daughters. That's one reason why it's so significant that this reunion takes place before Moses receives the law. And just in the next chapter or so, he's going to be receiving the law, the Ten Commandments and the, the regulations from the Lord. That's why it's important that this takes place actually before he receives the law because it should serve to remind us that our hope is not in our ability to keep the law. Our hope is not in our ability to keep the law. In fact, the Bible is very clear that no one is saved by keeping the law. Nobody's saved by keeping. The only thing the law does, this is, this is what Scripture says, the only thing that the law does is prove that we're already lawbreakers and that we deserve wrath. The only thing the law does is prove that we're already lawbreakers and therefore every one of us deserves God's wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, has made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to him. Listen, that 
is the hope that we have been given. And we are saved by faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. Our hope's not in the law. Our hope is in the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us when he died on the cross, killing that hostility and making a way for us to have a relationship with God. That's extremely important this morning because here's what I believe. I believe that there are some of you here this morning who may still be living in fear of God's wrath. You, um, you might imagine that God is keeping this long list of things that you've done wrong, violations that you've made, things that you've said or done, that God's keeping this long list of things that you've done wrong, and he's just waiting for the opportunity to punish you for those things. And I'm here this morning, I would, I would like to change your opinion of God. Because listen, it is true that, that unless you repent of your sins and call on the name of the Lord, it is true that eventually you will die and you will be judged as a lawbreaker and you will spend eternity in hell. But can I tell you this morning, but that will not be because of God's wrath. It will be in spite of God's mercy and God's grace. God, God doesn't hate you. God is not mad at you. In fact, God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus has already paid the penalty for your sin. And all you have to do is believe. And all you have to do is confess him as your Lord, which is essentially what Jethro does in verse number 11 when he says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. Aren't you thankful that God has made a way for us, that he loves you, and he has extended grace and mercy? Hallelujah. You know, you know who ought to fear God's wrath? Satan, um, he is the one who will feel the full force of God's wrath. Satan will. In fact, look again at verse number 11. In verse number 11, Jethro says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. And then he says this, Because in this affair, affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. Now, what does that mean? I'm asking you, I want you to tell me what that means, now, <laughs> that last phrase is, is difficult, isn't it? It's hard to understand what's, what's Jethro talking about uh, there. And, and so it's translated differently in some translations uh, because it's hard to know who Jethro is talking about and, and what, whoever it is that he's talking about, what they did that he considered to be arrogant. Most likely, um, most likely he is referencing the gods of Egypt because he said, now I know that the Lord is greater than the gods of Egypt because in this affair they, talking about the gods of Egypt, dealt arrogantly with the people. So most likely he's referencing the gods of Egypt and how God did what to the gods of Egypt? He humiliated them. And how those gods, how God punished those gods. Remember we talked about that with the ten, with the ten plagues? 
how God made a show of the gods, little g, gods of, of Egypt. And so most likely he's talking about how God punished those gods of Egypt because they oppressed God's people. And so God punished them for oppressing uh, his people. He also, Jethro could also be referring to what we talked about last week. Um, the Amalekites. Remember last week we talked about the fact that they, because they lifted their hand against God's people, that God did what? God lifted his hand against them. And so they received the recompense of God's wrath because they lifted their hand against God's people. Either way, either way, here's the point. Um, I made it last week, and so I'll make it again right here this morning. God harbors no hate toward his people, only a jealous love. Only a jealous love toward his people. And his wrath is reserved. God's not reserving wrath for you, those that believe on Jesus Christ. God's wrath is reserved for those who attack and oppress his people. Now, friends, that's good news. That God loves you. And that he has made a way for you to be reconciled to himself. And that he harbors no hate. He harbors no hostility towards you. He's not up in heaven watching you and waiting for you to mess up so that he can punish you. No. He is for us. Not against us. Amen. He loves you and he wants you to succeed. Can somebody say amen? amen? So, since we are reconciled to God, we don't fear the wrath of God. The other thing that I want to point out about this ministry of reconciliation is that this ministry now has been given to us. This ministry now belongs to us. The good news that we have received, that we have believed on, the good news that we have received has been given to us and now the Bible says we have a responsibility to share it with others and to tell others about it. In fact, uh, listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. What, what is he talking about? He's talking about reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God. We've been made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ died for me so that I could be reconciled to God, so that I could be adopted into his family. But listen, Jesus died for others as well. He died for you. How many of you are 
in Christ Jesus. Would you just lift your hand and say, praise God. Thank God. <laughs> Some is Jesus Christ died for you also. But Jesus Christ died for some who are, outside, who are outside of the walls of this church. Some of them are still separated from Jesus Christ. And they need to know that God has made a way for them to be brought near. That they don't have to remain separated from God. Alienated from his promises alienated from his goodness under the penalty of their sin. They need to know that Jesus died for them too. That he loved them so much that he gave of himself so that through his blood they can be reconciled to God also. Here again, Moses illustrates that important role for us. You see, Jethro, in this passage, Jethro has heard about what God has done in Egypt. He's heard the stories. He's heard some reports of what's happened um, in Egypt. Um, he probably, Jethro, probably even had a rudimentary knowledge of God because he too, remember, he was a descendant of Abraham. In fact, he's called the priest of um, Midian. So he had some knowledge of God. We talked about that uh, before, um, but his faith is incomplete until Moses does what? Until Moses shares with him the truth about what God has done. And after Moses shares with him, remember, it's then that Jethro exclaims, Now I know that the Lord is greater than every other, than all other gods. So you see, friends, are in the same way there are people around us every day that God is revealing himself to. They, they may have heard something about God. They may have seen some of God in your life. Hopefully they have. They've seen how you've uh, lived and seen how you've treated others. So hopefully they've seen something of God in you uh, also, they may have a, they may have went to church when they were little, they went to Sunday school, and so maybe they had a rudimentary, under, maybe they have a rudimentary understanding of the gospel and the church. But the Bible asks this, the Bible says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? <laughs> See, there's a, there's a famous saying. Mike, would you come to the piano? There's a famous saying. I believe it's St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel wherever you go. And, and how's it go? I forgot how. It, I should have written it down. <laughs> you turn 51, you forget things like that sometimes. <laughs> And when necessary, use words. That's it. Can I tell you this morning, I, I like that quote. I, I like what it intends and what it means. But can I tell you something? Always, always, always use words. Because what people see is not enough. They need somebody. They need somebody to tell them the gospel. 
They, need, they might have seen Jesus in you. I hope they have seen Jesus in you. But God has sent each one of us. We are his witnesses. Amen. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Which means that we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And friends, that is such glorious <laughs> good news that we cannot keep it to ourselves but we have to go and we have to tell others what Jesus Christ has done for us amen thank you for listening today if you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ please contact us at gladtidings.church if you live near Dunn North Carolina please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030 you can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play App Store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.